In the world of business, profit is everything. Those that are not profitable are condemned from memory. And the most important business of all is watching anime. The show where we review the performance of anime weekly. We are your three high-powered anime business executives. I'm John, your back-in-the-saddle CEO of Weebs. I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew, your CEO of Too Many Death Flags. <laughs> all right. Uh, kind of an unusual episode this week, first of all, because we're recording on the day when our t- episodes typically go up. Uh, we had technical difficulties on Monday, and then on Tuesday we were like, huh, the Wonder Egg Priority Finale is coming out tomorrow, so why don't we just record tomorrow so we can include that in this episode? Uh, so, weird weird timing, but you're getting your finale on a different day than you might expect. And yes, this is the season six finale? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, get excited about that. Uh, first of all, we need to talk about the shows that, quote, wrapped up, end quote, this week. Although, technically, Two Year Eternity is going on to a second core. And, uh, Wonder Egg Priority is kind of late to the game, but we're including it now. Anyway. First of those two is Two Year Eternity. In this episode, Gugu's brother returns to try and make amends with him, but Gugu isn't having it. Reen's 16th birthday is coming up. When she'll be officially betrothed. At the party, Reen starts to realize that it was Gugu who saved her all her life. But just at that moment, the knockers finally return after four years. I like this episode. Um, I'm glad we're not done with this set of characters just yet. And it's interesting to see how everything's different after four years. And it's really interesting that Fushi didn't like use his powers or anything at all for four entire years. I mean, he wanted to be a human. That's like... Mm-hmm. Was really... the whole reason he wanted to stay and stuff? And he really didn't he... need to. No. Mm-hmm. Kind of attention here is that you know his creator has all these big plans for him, but he's just like, I just want to live, dog. Like, yeah, yeah. One thing is that you say we could just stick with these characters for a bit longer, but um, Gugu, uh, Gugu's not dead. He'll be fine. He's not going to no. die from the fall. That's fair. But I, I, I can totally see him dying. Yeah. Though we thought he was going to die for a while, so, you know. <laughs> we thought he was going to die already, but uh, he got to live at least, what, two more episodes from our initial projection. So good for him. Yeah. And I thought that the scenes with him and Reen in this episode were adorable. Yeah. And the music in this episode was great, too. I, I liked this one. I feel like... It, I feel like it's been a bit since all of us watched it, because we... We all watched this thinking we were going to record on Monday, but oh well. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad this one's going to keep going, because I'm really interested to see where it's going to go from here. I'm going to keep too. watching it, even as we're discussing ten more shows. Yeah, same. Same. I really liked the um, new head that uh, Gugu got. The stone mm-hmm. one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would look even cooler if he painted it like the old one was painted. I mean, he probably would. Yeah, probably, but he just like he like just got it, so. Yeah. 
He can if he dies. It's just they they very much put way too many like it was right after Reen and him kind of like confessed to each other and Boosman was like, Yeah, he's a good kid. I hope he comes back or something like that and it's like I hope I get to see him grow up and it's like, Okay. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> I mean it could also be like trying to get you to think that. I don't disagree. But still I feel like they laid it on thick. Mm-hmm. Death flag of the century. They could also be death flags for those characters. Could be. Could be as well. This is just death flags the anime. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciated how Gugu's, the whole thing with Gugu's brother went. How like, just because they, he came to make amends doesn't mean that everything is okay. Right. He doesn't actually, he's not actually owed forgiveness or anything. Yeah. Because it was an immensely shitty thing to do that really did ruin Gugu's life for a long time. Mm-hmm. So yes, I did like that scene too. Like, he he really told off his brother in a way that was satisfying, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, well, because like... Well, you should apologize and, you know, own up to your mistakes. That doesn't mean it's going to fix anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it should when he left a kid by himself to fend for himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it also, it does help that Gugu had finally found a life that he was happy living mm-hmm. at this point. So he really didn't need his brother to help make amends anymore. I guess we're not voting, even though it's technically continuing. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to watch it eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's a vote to retain from all three of us, technically. Next up on the list is Wonder Egg Priority. Haven't said that in a while. (laughs) Uh, this, This show delayed its final episode up until this month. I don't really know exactly why, but I have to guess that it's probably due to the pandemic and all the scheduling chaos that ensued from it. And speaking of which, really the first half of this episode, which is double length, it was 46 Mm -hmm. minutes, was (laughs) a recap of everything up to this point. Which I actually appreciated, because it has been a minute. Yeah. Uh, So really it was a regular length episode with a recap episode on the front of it. Yeah. But anyway, on to the summary. In this final episode, things have mostly calmed down for Ai, Momo, and Rika after they each cleared the challenge. The only wrinkle is that none of their revived friends remember their time together. They're also concerned that they haven't heard from Nehru. Momo decides not to get involved, but Ai and Rika visit the secretary in a parallel Kotobuki, who reveal that Nehru was an AI like Frill, created by Kotobuki, and that her sister was the jealous template. Nehru left on a quest to become human. I ultimately decides to go back and buy more eggs for a chance to see Nehru again. This was a much different ending than I was expecting. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was no big anime fight in this one. No, but, which was fine, but I just feel like it didn't resolve that much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I usually don't mind the endings that are just more emotionally conclusive rather than narratively conclusive. And this is no exception. I liked this ending just fine, actually. Yes, but it was already emotionally conclusive. Yeah. How so? Like, the last episode was basically I confronting her previous self and then realizing how much she has grown since meeting all of her friends and starting the whole Wonder Egg thing. And whereas this is just kind of... I don't know. It's like, oh, I'm gonna keep doing it so I can see Nehru again. But yeah. it doesn't really talk about Frill or Dot Hyphen or the long-named one. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, is this the plot line that we're not gonna talk about? Or like, yeah. What what's up with that? Like, and I, it was kind of strange that they did the whole recap episode if they're not intending on, like, finishing that out. Right. And I think the not resolving the frill thing wouldn't have bothered me as much if they hadn't spent an entire episode explaining her backstory. Well, now that I think about it, I think they're kind of implying that frill and her creations are actually dead and they only exist in the dream world. Uh, because in that recap and in the, in the flashback episode, there was a scene of fire after Uraaka dragged her away from their house. I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but I think that might be the implication that they're actually already dead. But, like, I think that speculation is fine, but that doesn't really change anything. No, yeah. That's that's the problem, is that, like, okay, they're dead. So what? I mean... Maybe this episode is better if you think of it more as a postscript and the and the last episode of the regular season is the real ending. Yeah. But either way, I thought it was a cool ending. I thought it was interesting. I was a little sad that uh, Momo and Rika didn't have a, a bigger role in the ending, but yeah. it was more I's story in the end anyway. They all kind of had their stories finished more than hers did. Well, not only was it Ai's story, but Nehru was the first one introduced and the one who I think had the biggest impact on Ai. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the show didn't really put an emphasis on Ai and Nehru's relationship over hers with uh, Momo and Rika. Like, if anything, it felt like it was more focusing on their group dynamic rather than individual relationships. And so, like, the ending just felt... Like, that. another thing is that, like, it was... It seemed like the ending was focusing a lot on I and Nehru when that hadn't really been the focus until then. It's just, like, the end result of this is I wants to go back to keep fighting to see Nehru again. When I already wanted to keep fighting to become a warrior of Eros to fight against Frill and stuff, and so it's like... Mm -hmm. It's just like, why, why do we need to go over this again? Why couldn't we show some sort of fight or show what she's trying to do or something? It just felt redundant. Yeah. And the whole Nehru actually being an AI 
Like, I feel like that was a bigger reveal than it ended up, than, like, they gave it. And, like, yeah. they could have just yeah. been, like, Nehru decided to stay in the dream world, and it would have had the same effect. It was strangely sequel-hooky for something that doesn't seem like it's going to get a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, for when they were like, by the end, and it's like, you just dropped a lot of stuff that, like... I, st I still can't bring myself to dislike it, though. No, like, it wasn't a bad episode by any means. It's just, like, was it worth three months? Yeah. I mean, I I didn't, I wasn't, like, actively waiting for it this whole time. I was just like, oh, final episode. You, you can't not expect a final episode to culminate stuff. You just can't. Would we have dis would you guys have disliked this episode as much had it come out right at the end of the show? Do you I think? think so. I think I wouldn't have dis I still wouldn't have thought it would have been the best ending. Uh if we were if this was not the final episode I would vote to retain. But here I we mean are it's still vote to retain show. because it's a wonderful show. I just don't yes. I just the last episode is not. It's a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it. But yes, this show absolutely gets my stamp of approval. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, this is one of the best shows we've watched for this podcast, I think. I think if it weren't for this episode, I'd agree. Same. Same for that. That bad, huh? Uh, like, it's not a terrible well, episode. I feel like this episode kind of discolors a lot of the stuff about this show. I feel like. Mm -hmm. It feels like it. this episode doesn't need to exist. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest reason. I'm like, you could have then brought this somewhere, done something else when this just feels like very redundant to everything that's already happened like i think something else that could have been better is instead is like if it were going to be 46 minutes long like make the actual plot of the episode maybe like 30 to 35 minutes mm -hmm. and have less recap that way there's more time for it to breathe and it doesn't just feel like you're slamming all of these plot twists that don't really change anything at us. Because a lot of this stuff, like, if we learned that Navier was actually an AI two episodes ago or something, that would have been mm -hmm. great, you know? Yeah, you're but, probably right. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. I can't hate it. And I can't really explain why at this point anymore, but it is what it is. I still loved it. Uh, do we have anything more to say on this one right now? I think I'm good. I'm yeah, putting I'm good. two stamps of approval on it since neither of you want to. Stamp, stamp. All right. That brings us to the very end of the spring 2021 season and season six of the weekly anime performance review. Uh, everybody pop a bottle of champagne. Uh, we got another one in the bag or in the uh, can. Why, why are we celebrating early? We haven't done the most important part. Well, you got to drink champagne while you're doing the awards show, Andrew. Yes, like usual, we are doing uh, our awards at the end of this season. 
Anyway, our first category is biggest letdown. Who would like to start? Mine's pretty easy. Um, it's Dragon Ghost House Hunting, the first show that we fired. It's... I, I just... It looked like a cute show, you know, it could have been fun antics, but no. It just wasn't that good. Jokes were all the same with the dragon being a scaredy cat. It wasn't... Meh. <laughs> These seasons last so long that we I always like completely forget the shows that we fire in the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah. But it I mean a fantasy world about like fun, cozy, warm vibes, like that that sounds great. But that that wasn't what it was, so Any other letdowns? Chris? I don't know. There really wasn't anything I guess Osamake. But, like, there wasn't really anything that I was, like, kind of surprised that was either not that good or that we ended up firing it. Right, like, 86 and Don't Toy With Me, I'm like, no. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> 86 wasn't that bad, but, like... I guess yeah. I, was, I was disappointed with Nagatoro just because of all the hype around that one. I, I gotta agree with Chris... Well, I not exactly agree with Chris, but my big thing was Osamake that he mentioned. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, you might as well call this the weekly romantic comedy anime performance review, because, like, every season we wind up finding a rom-com that we gush about. And I really thought that it was going to be Osamake this season. <laughs> An important thing in a rom-com is characters that you want to root for. <laughs> And I didn't really like any of the characters in Osamake. They all just came off as either dumb or manipulative or both. And, like, not in a fun way. Not in a fun way. Yeah, because I think the idea was, oh, they're all trying to manipulate each other, but they end up not getting what they want, so then all three of them are, like, upset about it. But then, I'm like, well, okay, so what? Like, you know. Yeah, that that was disappointing to me. I thought it was going to be a fun rom com like we usually have on this show. I was I was coming off the high of into that. Oh my god. Did we ever what? call it horny Mia? We never did. Holy shit. <laughs> we left that one on the tree, unpicked. Next up is the biggest surprise. Um Mix things up first. Chris, go ahead. Okay. I actually have three of them, and none of them are from the list, if y'all don't <laughs> okay. mind. Fair enough. Go ahead. Uh, first is Shadow's House. Um, that was one of the ones with, like, a bad trailer that didn't really give a good glimpse of what it was. But it's, like, a really fun, um, like, kind of mystery show where... Like, it has a lot of promised Neverland vibes, if mm -hmm. that was something you enjoyed. And I I actually ended up going back and reading the manga for this one, which isn't something I did for any of the shows on our list. That's why you didn't, because you're reading this <laughs> manga. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we, I, we, I remember when, uh, when, earlier in the season, we were all joking about how you were going to go watch, go read the manga for Osamake, but you didn't. Yeah. 
And that was the first sign of trouble for that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, second was uh, Higa Hero, which was um, the one where the guy found the high schooler on the side of the road. And that one was... Uh, like, it's not, like, the best anime, but it was... it hand. I feel like it handled its stuff pretty well. About underage, whatever stuff. Yeah. And hey, like, I do remember the emoji that you put next to it on our spreadsheet of the shows <laughs> coming out this season. Yeah. But yeah, like, it, I think it handled a lot of stuff pretty well. And like, it didn't, like, even if it does go that way, it doesn't, it won't just be like, oh, ha ha, aren't high schoolers hot? So it's actually better than, like, 90% of anime in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third one uh, is Zombieland Saga Revenge. I just really... Like, the show being good wasn't a surprise, but it had a really fun ending. I need to actually go and watch Zombieland Saga Season 2 now that we're yeah. done with this season. I might... I'm going to watch a whole bunch of anime this week. You say that between. every week. You say that, but we do also have an OVA. And it's we have an OVA. Wednesday. That's like whatever. I'm just going to binge that episode. I'm just going to binge that show like tomorrow. My biggest surprise of this season. Um, I I think it might be actually how much just how much I enjoyed Dinosaur on, because like when I watched Gridman, I was like, yeah, this is fine. But like Dinosaur on, I watched all of Gridman, but it wasn't like my favorite of that season or anything. But Dinosaur on, ugh pristine so good i loved it very simple but that's that's my thing i was surprised by just how much i loved that show i think for me i'm gonna have to choose to your eternity mm -hmm. because i thought i was gonna like like it and like it was gonna be a fun premise but you know it was gonna be i could take it or leave it but this show does some things to you and I mm -hmm. was not expecting that from this. I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, it, it certainly is a show that gets gets you very mo emotionally invested. <laughs> but yes, I was very happy with that one too. So those are our big surprises. The next category is best opening. Which should be fairly self-explanatory. We are discussing what we think is the best opening theme or best opening visual for uh, the shows that we watched this season. We have three nominees this time. The first is Imperfect from Dinazenon. The second is Odd Taxi from Odd Taxi. And the third is Pink Blood from To Your Eternity. Chris, would you like to tell us about Imperfect? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed Imperfect. It's just kind of a fun OP. And there's a lot of visual foreshadowing in it for, like, what goes on with the show. Like, I think there's one scene where Goldburn's eyes flash out behind Chise. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I'm pretty sure they add Night and Second once they so. join. And the song's it just did. a bop. Yeah, it's it's very 
is this a this uh, OP is extremely hype, just like the Gridman OP was. Not to mention when during the episode they're starting <laughs> to transform and the OP starts blaring. Yeah, it's always a fun time. That is what I adore about the Gridman universe. They're not a, they're not allowed to use like the oh the theme music plays in the regular show as like a cool moment like every episode. I love it. You would think it would get old, but somehow it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our next nominee is Odd Taxi from Odd Taxi. And I would like to talk about this one if you guys don't mind. <laughs> I mind. Oh, go ahead. Uh, this one I really liked a lot. I loved this OP. Uh, <clears throat> visually, it's like this nice watercolor thing that uh, gives you an abstract introduction to all the characters in a really fun way. Uh and, you know, it's got, like, kind of the night vibe that the whole show has to it. Or the night in the city vibe, rather. And I feel like the music evokes the same feeling, because it's, like, a really... It's it's uh, it's kind of a soulful, like, bluesy rap number. It's really good. And the saxophone solo is to die for at the end of it. I loved this OP. I think my favorite shot from it was... Um, the hippo guy who's always on social media. Oh, what's his name? Hang on. Kabasawa? Whatever. Kabasawa, that's it. Uh, he's like a blow-up, like an inflatable thing, and he's like getting inflated and deflated by the attention he's getting on social media. Hmm. I thought that was really clever. Uh, so that's that was something that I added to this list, because I really like this one. I'll say, not to mention, it is also done in a really unique... Um... And our last nominee is Pink Blood. From To Your Eternity. Um, so I think I'm the one who put this on here. And the reason really is because it it was a very... <sighs> After watching the show, watching it, it just... I feel like it's that extra level of you see all these characters and you see all of their moments. And there's some times where you see like their kind of dreams, so to speak, of like what never got to happen. Or what mm-hmm. their kind of what their goal in life is, such as March being a mother and um, the guy from the beginning whose name we don't know finding people and stuff like that. The boy. That adult March shot from the OP became rough partway through the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gugu and Reen like embracing and whatever. I just think watching Death it. Flags. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. It's Death Flags the OP. And uh, the music is kind of... I, would, I, I, I don't know what I'd call it. Maybe R&B? Uh, but it's provided by the legendary Utada Hikaru. Yeah. Uh, known to most Westerners primarily for Kingdom Hearts, the songs from that series. But yeah. uh, they have done many, many things besides that. Uh I, I, the music wasn't exactly to my taste, but I certainly can understand why others would love it. And I do agree that the visuals are kind of heart-wrenching after you've watched some of this show. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it has a bunch of characters that we haven't even met yet because this show is too core. I'm giving mine to Odd Taxi. I just like the vibe that one has. I am also giving mine to Odd Taxi for that saxophone solo. I am dissenting and giving mine to Dinazenon. It's just so 
such a bop. Oh, that would have been my second choice for sure. Yeah. And in fact, I was actually going to give it to Dinozenon until I started talking about the Odd Taxi opening. Same. <laughs> uh... <laughs> If I could give it to any piece of music this season, it would be the the, the church choir song from Dinosaur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Our next category is best ending theme, which should be uh, fairly self-explanatory. The first on the list is those Snow White notes. Uh, the title of which is "Until I Wake from Dreaming." Uh, I would like to talk about this one. Uh, I was the one who added it here. Hey. This, uh, I really, really like this uh, ED a lot. Because uh, it's kind of a reflection of the show, and then it's kind of a blend of the traditional and the modern. Because it's it's a rap backed up by Shamisen, uh, primarily. Mm -hmm. And then the sung passages are also gorgeous. Uh, that was why I wanted to include it. Just because I think the rap is really, really cool. And the the kind of incorporation of the the old with the new is kind of a big theme in this show uh especially with you know setsu wanting to evolve beyond his grandfather yes uh so this op this ed certainly reflects that well yeah um the other candidate that we have on our list is odd taxi or sugarless kiss from odd taxi and I put mm -hmm. this on the list just because it's the visuals are bright and fun and colorful. And the music is just like a fun pop, like relaxing, chill yeah. vibe. And so I just enjoyed it. It's like a good vibe. This, that, that's this, really uh, all I can say. This ending theme exists within the diegesis, doesn't it? Yes, I think yeah. so. I think it's by the Mystery Kiss. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of cool. I always like when the songs from the show exist in its diegesis. We got that in Wonder Egg Priority. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. We They were singing the ED in the karaoke. Terribly, and, I might add. Terribly, yes. What's funny is that I'm and, pretty sure they sing, that the VAs for them actually sing the ED. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to give it to those Snow White notes. Mm. Just, I, I, it was just fun I am also giving it to those Snow White notes for the reasons I talked about I just think it's really cool when it. I just really think it's cool how well it reflects the themes of the show Snow White notes gets a clean sweep ooh baby the next category is best aesthetic and this category is just our general uh, category we want to talk about the production of the shows we watched this season how they actually look and sound uh, on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. And we kind of do this as one category because none of us are, like, you know, yeah. animation experts or anything. Uh, so we we created the best aesthetic category sort of as a catch-all for that stuff, just as a way to make sure that we talk about that stuff because we have a bad habit of just talking about plot mainly on our show. <laughs> the first show on our list is Dinozenon. Uh I'll handle this one. This show uh, continues a lot of what I loved about the animation in Gridman. And I've kind of got gained an even greater appreciation for it now that I've uh, started to get into more uh, tokusatsu stuff. 
because it does a really good job of emulating the classic kind of vibe of tokusatsu and suitmation through the use of blended 2D and 3D animation. It was, it's very, very cool to see. Like, you could very much see all of the kaiju from this series uh, being made practically like they would have done before maybe the late 90s, which I think is really, really cool. And also, a lot of the true 2D animation, the character animation is great, too. Of particular note is the episode when they're all inside, like, the memory-stealing kaiju. I, f I thought that that episode in particular was a real standout in terms of animation quality. Uh, so that is Dinozenon. I mean, I feel like you're skipping an important aspect of the sound in this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the music is fantastic, too. <laughs> As I've already said with pieces like the uh, the, the church choir Dinozenon and a lot of the other uh, incidental music in the show is great, too. Well, not only that, but the sound design in general is to where there's no diegetic music unless they're fighting. Really. You mean non-diegetic the music? There's no times that you're just sitting, like, there's no background music. Yeah. For most of it. Yes. And so it... it, yeah. You, you, go ahead. I think there might be a few scenes in the later episodes where there's music and no fighting, but other than that, yeah, like, if they're talking at a cafe, there might be faint music that's, like, the cafe's music, and there's people passing by on the street, and it just sounds real. And I thought a lot of the score in this show uh, was actually kind of evocative of old tokusatsu music as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Like, you know, like, the, the little trombone hit that they play, you know when they show a shot of the kaiju messing up the city, you know, definitely calls to mind, like, you know, the Godzilla fanfare that shows up in all the Ifakube scored movies, for example. Yeah. And also, they, refer they reference the Godzilla dropkick. So for that reason, I love this show. Next up is To Your Eternity. Next up is Those Snow White Notes. But Yeah, I think this one, I think it... It was fine visually, but I think this one has a lot of standout music moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I think early on we talked about how, like, the shamisen playing really stands on its own in this show. And just pretty much all of the performances are top-notch and never just feel like they're filling a quota of one performance per episode. Yeah, and e even mm. if I felt that way... They were good performances, so I don't care. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I did not mind all of the shamisen in this show. No. I, if you're going to make a shamisen anime, I mm -hmm. want to hear some shamisen performances. Yeah. Also, I will say, they did a good job choosing an instrument that at least, I don't know how it is as a Japanese person, but as an American, I haven't really ever heard the shamisen. So, like, it's mm. a niche world that I got to hear about and experience, mm. and it was fun, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know if I... I've definitely heard shamisen in things, but I don't know if I've ever heard sh solo shamisen right. before. Yeah. I, I thought this show was actually pretty good aesthetically. Uh, I, I think that my favorite part of it in terms of aesthetics was all the visual metaphors uh, whenever mm -hmm. they were used during performances. Uh, just because it could be kind of hard to sell 
what they're talking about with the sound of their performances, so that helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. They do a lot to help sell the sound. Like, they work well together, I think. Uh, so, that is those Snow White notes. Next up is Joran, the Princess of Snow and Blood. I was just going to say, like, I think it had a lot of cool design choices with how, like, uh, Yuki's transformation was a different style than the just the normal animation was. The umbrella was cool. crossbow gun was fun. Yeah. Yes. There were a lot of uh, cool weapons. I think it, I think uh, it does a good job of selling the idea that you know this is like an alternate history. Mm-hmm. It's like an alter, It's an alternate history where the Meiji Restoration never happened. So it's it like al- steampunk Edo period in a neat way. It it almost felt like steampunk, almost on the touch of reaching cyberpunk with like um the colors aesthetically at least, um visually maybe not, but color wise, yeah. A lot of neons and stuff. Uh, last up is Super Cub. I'm the one who put this on here, surprisingly. Yeah, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. So, I think... I know we've talked about this during the regular show, but in every episode, it felt kind of muted at first. And then um, when finally they would ride on their motorcycles, you know, and fix whatever problem or whatever, everything would brighten up. There would be music coming on, and you really felt like... You could get in the shoes of me here to be like, oh, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. And I thought they did a really good job of that in this anime. This was definitely a show, like I said earlier, that kind of tries to sell you on the emotion of this, of whatever's going on. Uh, Just like I said on those Snow White notes. (laughs) It was a little more subtle than that, but I thought it was still very, very good. And the motorcycles look nice. They do. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this show was like the best advertising for Honda that I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like we mentioned it a lot. It's just a good vibe show. Mm-hmm. Like vibes and aesthetic. True, vibe is an aesthetic. That's the new title of the podcast. <laughs> we good? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. I am going to give it to Dinazen on this season. Because Tokusatsu is cool, and I like it. I'm also giving it to Dainitsen on. I think it had the best... Like, it had a lot of really good presentation in, like, all the aspects. Yeah, to no one's surprise, Dainitsen on Clean Sweep. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, Dainitsen on, baby. The next category we have is the best cast. The three nominees for the best cast are... Those Snow White notes, Dinazenon, and To Your Eternity. So first up is Those Snow White Notes. Uh, this was... Uh, this one was fun. I really liked the principal cast especially. Uh, I was kind of worried that the Shamisen Club would be underdeveloped because they... Uh, we're kind of introduced a little bit late, uh, all things considered. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed all of them. <laughs> uh, they all had something going on. None of them were just kind of there to fill out the cast, which I was worried about. They all had a reason to play the shamisen and be there and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I liked all of them, and I liked seeing all the 
different Shamisen players and their philosophies and whatnot. Uh, like, a lot of the minor characters in the show are really fun, too, like Ushio and Kaji. The one uh, guy who keeps calling people food. <laughs> or they're playing compared to food. Hanuma? Maybe, I don't remember. Or Soichi is his first name. I liked him, too. Or is that someone else that compares everything to food? I, I do not remember. I, I think it's I think it's Soichi. It was a lot like uh, Iwakakuru, where the um, rock climbing anime, where uh, all of the rivals had some kind of standout thing about them. Like, not as bombastic here as it was there, but they were all memorable. Absolutely. It didn't feel like they were duplicate characters, so to speak. And <laughs> it was a relatively large cast of extras, at least. I, I, I like these them. characters a lot. Uh, that's what I'll say for now. Next up is Dinozenon. I mean, come on. The <laughs> the big thing is that this does a really this show does a really good job of the cast has issues that they're all working through, but also each issue is expounded in that episode, and the the show normally the fight is a, about that same kind of issue, and so it gives these characters weight and they're just like. The resolutions have meaning. Is what it feels like. Um, mm. You know, like their their drama gets resolved, and it feels like something is resolved, not just oh yeah that happened. This show also has some of the most fleshed out villains that we've had in this entire se- in this entire series. I think our entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, like, there was, like, a whole episode where, like, the character that got the most development was Mujina. Or at least she and Konomi got about equal development. Conspiracy uh, theory here. Conspiracy theory here. Go ahead. The four eugenicists are parallel to the four Denizenon. The new Denizenon people. Yeah, Absolutely. I, th- okay. I thought that was kind of obvious. I think I said that. Maybe. Previously. <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. It's been a, at least a week, okay? <laughs> I liked, I liked the villains' designs a lot, too. Their outfits are snazzy. And mm-hmm. they wore them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they wore them everywhere, and nobody questioned it. Like, to school, he was wearing this, like, full-up military regalia, whatever. Anyway, uh, I liked all of these characters a lot. And our last nominee is Two Year Eternity. Chris, would you like to take this one? Sure. I think Two Year Eternity is essentially a a bunch of different character studies on different people and their aspirations and them ultimately not being able to achieve it for different reasons. And because of that, it has a lot of really good characters. Like, even though he was only in one episode, we all really remember the boy and just his impact on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never even played God of War. <laughs> I mean, same, but yeah. I think another thing to mention is that a show that is like this, where you're not with some of the characters all that long and like, it, it could turn out very terribly. 
this show did a good job of that not being the case and making you care about these characters, even if you only see them for one or three or five episodes, you know? Yeah. I feel like this show might have had the best performances of anything we watched. Uh, although that might be better class, better put under aesthetic than cast. Yeah. Something I will also say is that Fushi did a good job of holding this cast together because without an interesting main character... I don't know how well the show could be carried, but like watching I mean, Fushi's journey throughout this was fun. This is more a discussion for best character, but Fushi is really inter- is really really cool, and that he can be a really compelling protagonist when he can't speak for half of the show that we've yeah. watched so far. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it's worth mentioning him since he is like the mainstay of this cast. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely, he's the one axis that everything pivots around yes uh are we ready to give our awards i think so i am giving it to dinazenon this time uh because i really liked the relationships between all the characters i really like what we said about you know really being invested in their conflicts and it has some of the best developed villains that we've seen in any show on this podcast Yeah, Dinosaur gets my vote again. I'm giving mine to to your eternity. All right. Next category is best pairing. Our three nominees are Yume and Yomogi, Kamiki Siryu and his Shamisen, <laughs> and Second and Night. <laughs> <laughs> Our first pairing to discuss is. Uh, Yume and Yomogi. And I, I want to do this one if you guys don't mind. You can. Uh, this was kind of the slow burn that was almost at the center of this whole show. It became pretty clear early on that Yomogi was interested in Yume, uh, like from the first episode, because she had the habit of inviting people on dates and standing them up just to, you know, feel something. something. Uh, but that circumstance wound up getting them involved in Dinazenon and actually deepening their relationship. Uh, so just that start to it is interesting, but I loved seeing their relationship blossom over the course of these episodes, and they were really, really cute together at the end. Uh, like, there were multiple times in the last episode where they just, like, burst out laughing together, and I thought it was adorable. They're so cute together. Also, I love them using Dina Wing to get to school. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, would you like to talk about Kamiki Siryu and his shamisen? Uh, sure. I mean, like, what's there not to love about this? It's just a man and his instrument. Like, come on. Yeah. You, you, you can just see the way he looks at it. Yeah. That's a special relationship. Who doesn't love a man who knows how to use his instrument well? Uh, our last pairing to discuss is Second and Knight. Uh... Andrew, would you like to talk about this one? Yeah, so I put this one here mostly, not necessarily, I do think they have a fun dynamic, but because when these two start getting involved, it changes the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two kind of add that extra layer of the Gridman universe on it. And they are both fun characters. Yes. Yeah. I I absolutely adore their new designs. Yes. <laughs> Because they, they both got reworks, considering that the time has passed between this show and Gridman. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and second was a child in the in grid man. They I both mean, were. So was Knight. Yeah. Uh so they they both kind of reworked their aesthetic. They kind of they they are they're very evocative of the Neon Genesis Junior High kids from uh Gridman. Yeah. As a fun callback and like, like even uniform wise they're like mm-hmm. And they call themselves the Grid Knight Alliance instead of the Grid Man Alliance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like Second's new design is freaking adorable, and Knight looks really cool in an edgy anime boy way. Mm-hmm. I was glad to see them return. Yeah, I legit yeah. stood up and cheered when Grid Knight showed up in that episode <laughs> at the end. Uh, so are we ready to give our awards? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am going to give mine to Yume and Yomogi, which I thought was by far our most interesting pairing this season. We didn't really have a ton of like character pairs to talk about this season, I felt like, but this was the best one that we had. That's because there I mean, were no rom-coms. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, normally this is where we would gush about the main characters of whatever rom-com we were gushing about this season. Uh... <laughs> but nope. <laughs> uh, but I got to agree with John and give it to Yume and Yomugi. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious choice is Kamaki Seryu. No, it's uh, Yume and Yomegi. Hell yeah. The Dinah in on Sweep is real, baby. Next up on the list is Best Character of the Season. Uh, what more do I need to say? It's Best Character of the Season. Let's go. Uh, our first character to discuss is... Uh, Minami Yume from uh, Dinah Zenon. And I can't remember which of those... Minami is her first name. So I got that right. Yeah. Uh, I actually put Yume on the list instead of Yomagi, uh, because I, I like Yoma. It's not because I don't like Yomagi. I think he's a fine protagonist, but I feel like he did not have much of a you know internal conflict of his own to solve. It was much more about him and Yume working together to uh, working together on her. Uh, unresolved trauma and uh, becoming closer through that. So I felt like she was the more interesting of the two of them. So when we meet her in the beginning of the show, she seems kind of aloof and disinterested. You know, she has that habit of inviting people on dates and standing them up uh, just for fun, more or less. But uh, as we learn more about her, uh, we learn that she's deeply grief-stricken by the death of her sister, even though they they weren't even really close when her sister was alive. Uh, so it's learning more about her and, uh, seeing her learn more about herself and about her family as this show advances is a very, very fun process, I thought. Uh, so that was why I chose to put her on this list. I also kind of feel like the, um, climax of the show happens in the time, uh, kaiju episode when she gets that closure with her sister. Yeah, uh, you could definitely argue that that is one of, if not the, like, emotional peak of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because after that, then it's pretty much the finale. Yeah. Mm. And they're all, like, ready to fight and ready to go. All right, so that is Yume. Next up on our list of characters is Fushi. Who's got this one? I can take it. Go ahead. So, 
you know, Fushi's this otherworldly being, doesn't know how humans work, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's really fun watching his journey as he goes along and as he's just a wolf following this boy around. And then as he's the wolf slash boy interacting with March and how she kind of becomes his mom, even though she's like a kid. Um, and then how he eventually learns to talk and act more like a human and stays as a human for like four years. It's just really interesting to watch his growth as a being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how he begins making his own choices mm-hmm. instead of just kind of following someone else. Right. And it's fun watching his curiosity about everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, the most unusual, most interesting anime about someone growing up that I've ever seen. I don't know what to call it exactly. Good? Yeah. Next character is Setsu Sawamura. Uh, I got this who's one. got the... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think Setsu was interesting because like, he had a similar journey to Fushi where he kind of started out as a blank slate and then over the course of the show he began to develop into himself and he began to come up with his own sound and not just trying to copy his grandfather. Like there's the moment when he's playing for... um. Like, Maide? Basically, her grandmother, and yeah. uh, she... And he basically figured out, I don't need to be my grandfather. I can make it with my own simpler sound. Yeah, and something nice that um, the grandma says of, like, oh, this isn't the sound I heard. Yours sounds much more... I don't remember the exact quote, but it was, like, talking about how, like, yours is uh, happier or something like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, just of how you, your sound needs to be your own. You can borrow from others, but it's not your true sound. Yeah. Or you can learn from others, but it's not your true sound. There we go. This was, yeah, I liked him a lot. Uh, Which, actually, that's probably a good, like a lesson about life of like how your sound is your own, you know, like blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah yourself don't let someone else force you uh, some your life is your own yeah i was just thinking about the song from mob psycho 100 99.9 that song owns (laughs) in the end i actually have to give it to setsu uh just because uh you know seeing his journey seeing him process his grief and uh recover and become his own person was really special to me i'm also gonna give it to setsu I'm giving it to Fushi. And lastly, our final category. The big cheese. The Philly cheese steak to end them all. Best show. We have three nominees. The three shows that made it to the end of the season. Those being To Your Eternity, Dinah Zenon, and Those Snow White Notes. First up is To Your Eternity. So To Your Eternity is arguably almost like a sort of coming of age story of sorts of starting to become aware of yourself and making your decisions and also learning from others and taking their uh not necessarily lessons but like what they can teach you taking that with you 
um, which is reflected by Fushi, who's a shapeshifter and whatever. And it just does a really good job of making you care about all of these characters. Whether they're big or small, you're, you're always rooting for them. I'm excited to see where it goes next. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I wish that we gotten like one more episode before we before we could do the finale because I feel like the next episode is going to wrap up the Goo Goo arc. Yeah, I, th- I was. No, at... It's not going to be a cliffhanger of him falling off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the was... mo- the, a literal cliffhanger. I was actually going to suggest that maybe we should. Uh, stop at last week since it was a decent stopping point but I forgot to actually say anything until like Monday and I was like you know it's probably too late because Andrew's probably seen it already yeah I did yep that's the cutoff point (laughs) yeah uh next up is Dinazenon I would like to talk about Snow White Notes do you mind talking about this yeah I can go ahead I think so I think it continues on the similar themes from Gridman about how it's kind of like you can't go through life on your own and that going through with others will enrich your life. I think personally, I feel like Gridman did a lot of it better, at least thematically. I will agree with you on that. Theme-wise, I think this... The whole villain story of Gridman was like, hey, you need to interact with others and whatever, even though it's not always fun, kind of, so to speak. Yeah. Or like, you can't control everything. But in this, the theme is more of you need to work with others because you can't do everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, a bit different, if that makes sense. Because like in this, when Knight forms... Dinazen on by himself, he's not as powerful as when they're all helping together. Yeah. So it's the same message, but different undertones. And I think the Gridman universe has a habit of making the main character not who we initially think the main character is going to be. Yeah. Like in Gridman, it was like, it's set up to be like, oh yes, Yuta's the main character. But really, it's more about uh, Rika and Akane. And I think here, Yomagi is more like the second protagonist, while Yume is the protagonist. Yeah, and then all the art has um, Galma, like, right in the front of all of this, when he's not really the main character either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It does that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We all thought Galma was going to be a way bigger character than he actually wound up being. When you're really... He's honestly more of like the foil, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? If you get rid of Galma, this becomes more of like a slice of life character study type of thing. But he's yeah. the one that like pushes them towards all the fantastic dynasty, uh, on whatever stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if foil's not the right word. Foil is more for, like, the opposite. Which, like, I guess he is the foil to, like, everyone else is more subdued. The last nominee that we have is those Snow White notes. Uh, I wanted to talk about this one because it was my pick. And I am very, very glad that I picked it. 
as we've said before, a lot of this show is about grief, actually. Like, it's not on its, like, face really a show about grief, but it is a big motivator for a lot of major characters' actions uh, in a variety of ways. So Setsu, obviously, is grieving for his grandfather, which causes him to kind of make the rash decision to move to Tokyo. Uh, and it also motivates his mother to try and basically keep her grandfather keep her father's sound alive by trying to influence setsu's career uh in such a way that he will kind of bring his sound to the world rather than be his own person so in a way it's about their differing views on how to move on from the loss of matsugoro and also you have other characters grieving various things too uh you kind of get the sense that maida's grandmother is going to die soon and you have Kaito, you know, mourning his soccer career. Uh, so there's more of this than you might think. So it's a lot about grief and legacy in a very interesting way. I really, really like this show. I think we also kind of talked about this in the ED section, how it's like about, I guess this goes into legacy, how it's about combining the old with the new. And like, like, I feel like, a lot of the times we feel like we have to live up to our past, like who our parents and grandparents were when we should just take what they did and just do it our own way. We also talked a bit uh, when talking about Setsu about how there's also the thing of finding your own voice and Mm -hmm. yourself and not um, trying to copy other people. Are we ready to give our best best show awards yeah yeah all right do you guys mind if i go first how dare i wonder what you'll pick actually i'm going to pick dinosaur on no yeah. way oh is that what you thought i was going to pick yeah <laughs> like oh what did you think i thought you were gonna pick the snow white notes <laughs> but yes <laughs> I honestly, I can't give it to anything but Dinazen on just because it's just so goddamn fun. Yeah. I, I, this is the only show that I was like absolutely thrilled to be watching every single week. Like there was never a dull moment in this one for me. I love it. Yeah, Dinazen on wins for me as well. Um, I disagree with John. I enjoyed all these three shows and watching them. Like, I, I look forward to all of them, but Dinah's in on, it, it's just, it's so good. Yeah, I'm also giving it to Dinah's in on. Care to explain or just? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's similar to, like, John, where, like, it was just a lot of fun. And, like, it was the show I was most looking forward to watching each week. This season, fun wins. <laughs> I am good to wrap up. Uh, this has been season six of the weekly anime performance review. I have been John. You're back in the saddle, CEO of Weebs. I have been Chris. If you like our show and you want to be updated on the next season, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Weppercast. Uh, definitely be sure to be following us before next week because next week is the beginning of season seven when we'll be putting out the poll for what we should watch in the summer 2021 season. So be sure to follow us on Twitter so you can vote in that poll. 
second, our other big event is that uh, you can watch out for our episode on uh, Godzilla Singular Point uh, stomping onto your preferred listening platform on July 9th. Look forward to that. Anyway, I already did the outro because I'm stupid and did this out of order. Beep boop ravioli. <laughs>